I knew I needed something different. And the owner of that company, I noticed he didn't work nearly as much. He also owned five rental properties. And I was like, I knew investing was important to me. I wanted to retire early, but I was confused why he did rentals and why I did stocks. And he's like, well, the stocks can go up and down, but the rentals, they're always going to cash flow if you buy them right and you manage them well. So I went looking, but I was discouraged because nothing was going to cash flow, meaning the properties that were for sale with realtors, they were actually priced so high that I couldn't rent them out for more than what the mortgage payment was. But I went to a meetup of people who were doing deals in the current market, and they said I need to go look for rundown properties. So that's called driving for dollars, where you look for a rundown property. Then if you see it, it's run down. You look up who owns it and write them a letter asking if they want to sell their house. If they say, yeah, you can take it in any condition and get a great deal for it. You might need to fix it up, but you're still going to have a better deal than if you bought it retail on the market. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Free Retiree Show, your go-to podcast for your career and your finances. I'm your host, Wealth Manager, Lee Michael Murphy, joined alongside my pal, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? And ladies and gentlemen, we have a long-lost guest, Silicon Valley's favorite attorney, we found him wandering the streets. Sergio and I picked him up. We swooped him up, cleaned him up, and he's back, ladies and gentlemen. Your favorite attorney, Matt McElroy. I see. I've been demoted to a guest instead of co-host. <laughs> oh, you picked up on that, did you? <laughs> it's deserved, though. I, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's still our co-host, and it's a special guest since Matt's been very busy. But Matt, how's the real estate space been doing? I know you've been busy in the courts. How's that all been working out for you? Oh, good. It's just that's just the, the lifestyle and litigation. Right now, we're prepping for some trials and kind of takes up all my life. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you on today. So today, we have an amazing episode for you. We're going to be talking about entrepreneurship, how to build a multi-million online business, real estate investing, what do you need to look for, and we will be learning also about how to find amazing real estate deals. And to help us in this, we have a phenomenal guest for you. We have David Letko. He's a prominent real estate investor and the CEO of Deal Machine. David's become a successful real estate investor throughout the U.S. His company, Deal Machines, you can see them all online. If you're looking at real estate blogs, they're helping people find amazing real estate deals. His CRM allows real estate investors and wholesalers to find the best real estate deals. In 2021, Deal Machine was number 36 in the fastest 5,000 growing companies in the U.S. And on the App Store for Google and Apple, they have an average 4.8 stars with over 2,000 reviews. So amazing guests. We're blessed to have them. But guys, since we always talk about real estate and what we look for, what do you think the hardest part is about finding a real estate deal? And I'll just pick your guys' brains and what your thoughts are on this, and I'll give mine. Matt, you want to start? Yeah, I'll jump in. I think the financing for anybody, just understanding how it works. Most people that want to get into real estate don't really understand how the finance part of it works and the lending how much do they actually have to put down? I know I talk to a lot of people and they come in with this misconception sometimes that just because where we live in the Bay Area, everything is so expensive, they have to have a six-figure down payment. And that's not always the case. And a lot of times it, it always will matter what kind of property you're buying. Are you buying like a multifamily unit? Are you buying just a single family residential, commercial, things like that? And the financing will always change throughout whatever you're purchasing. But I think that's the main thing is just understanding how the money works and understanding what they really have to bring to the table to do whatever deal they want to do. Absolutely. I feel that one. Serge? Yeah. I was thinking location. I think whether it's a Bay Area or any other state, it's like, what is that prime location that's going to give me the best ROI? 
right? For us, Lee, I know you're thinking of different areas outside of the Bay Area and like, how is that market going to hold in a recession? Those are some of the questions I have, right? So I think like finding the right location and being comfortable with that location is top of mind for me. Yeah, that's another great one. And then when you figured out the location, I think for me, it's like looking at the house, is this overpriced, underpriced? Like, I don't even know. So I think that these are all great questions. And listeners, if one of our questions is struck a chord with you, feel good about listening to David because he's the man that you are going to want to listen to and get his wisdom. But before we get into David, let's go and talk about the subscriptions. Listeners, you want some good karma? Subscribe to The Free Retiree Show. We appreciate all the love and support. And you can find us now on every major podcast outlet and Elevation Radio as well. And if you have an episode request, finance-related, career-related, make sure you send them to ask at thefreeretiree.com. We're going to take a quick break, but when we are back, we're going to be sitting down with the one, the only, David Letko. Welcome back into The Free Retiree Show. We're sitting down with the one, the only, David Letko. David, how are you doing this morning? Never been better. Man, it is awesome to have you on our show. Your company is making some headway in the real estate space. It looks like you got a partnership with like bigger pockets, but you're doing great on social media. Tell us a little bit about Deal Machine and how it came about. Yeah. So back in 2016, I was working for this small software company that was just working me 80 hours a week. And it came to a head. I knew I needed something different. And the owner of that company, I noticed he didn't work nearly as much. He also owned five rental properties. And I was like, I knew investing was important to me. I wanted to retire early, but I was confused why he did rentals and why I did stocks. And he's like, well, the stocks can go up and down, but the rentals, they're always going to cash flow if you buy them right and you manage them well. So I went looking, but I was discouraged because nothing was going to cash flow, meaning the properties that were for sale with realtors, they were actually priced so high that I couldn't rent them out for more than what the mortgage payment was. But I went to a meetup of people who were doing deals in the current market, and they said, I need to go look for a rundown property. So that's called driving for dollars, where you look for a rundown property. Then if you see it, it's rundown. You look up who owns it and write them a letter asking if they want to sell their house. If they say, yeah, you can take it in any condition and get a great deal for it. You might need to fix it up, but you're still going to have a better deal than if you bought it retail on the market. So I went to do that, but I struggled with my follow-up. So I was like writing down all these addresses. My heart sank when I saw one of the houses that was being worked on that I had on my list. And I looked up the owner and it had just changed hands. And I was like, man, they bought it for a price that was like lower than what I would have purchased, offered on it for. So meaning it could have been an amazing first deal for me, but I missed out because I didn't even send the letter. And so I had some basic software knowledge because I was working at a software company. I put like a basic app together that would solve my follow through issue. It would let me pin the house, immediately tell me who owns it, and then send a postcard to the owner. And that ultimately became Deal Machine because some people at my meetup saw that I was using this and they were like, hey, I want to use that too. And I was floored when somebody was like, I'll spend $1,000 on any new marketing. And I was like, geez, I'm not even trying to sell this. This is crazy. So I had to come up with a name. So I called the app Deal Machine because my past job, when I closed like a sale, they would call me Deal Machine, like pump me up. And so <laughs> I was like, that does feel pretty cool. And I'll just name this app Deal Machine because it's trying to get me a real estate deal. So that's how the app started and why it exists. I didn't really intend for it to be a company, but thankfully I've used it to close great deals for me, created a million dollars in equity from doing these really great Burr strategy deals, which is like you buy the rundown house, you fix it up, 
and then you refinance to get all your money back out and you can recycle your money and do it again and again. We've helped people close 10,000 deals in all 50 states. So that's the story of Deal Machine. And that was seven years ago. And we're still going strong and stronger than ever right now. Wow. Talk to us about that moment. You mentioned that job working you 80 hours a week. And I'm sure there's folks listening to this podcast now who are burnt out. But what was that moment when you knew you could actually break free from that type of job and you took on entrepreneurship? So this company taught me so much. I actually took a pay cut to work at it though. I, I quit my big corporate job at Accenture, made 20,000 less to go work for this small software company where I was actually the only software developer. I made the software myself actually. It was a recruitment tool and I built it in line with their processes for how they taught my fraternity in college how to recruit. And so they bought the software from me for $10,000 and then I agreed to go work for them for a $20,000 pay cut. I was jacked to get to learn from this entrepreneur how he was going to turn my thing that I created into a business. So a lot of what I learned, what helped make Deal Machine successful, I think was ultimately what I learned at this job. But it was challenging because they had never built a software company and I hadn't really either. And so I was doing the software development tasks. I was the trainer. I was also the customer support person. And so if there was an issue, I would get a phone call. And so to make things easier for me, I just slept with my computer under my pillow. That way, if an issue came up while I was sleeping, I could actually answer the phone, fix it without getting out of bed, close my laptop and go back to sleep. So that also meant if I was socializing at a bar, I would actually bring my computer with me, leave it in my car, bring a hotspot so I could fix it in the parking lot and then go back to be with my friends. And the answer to your question was two years in, I'd learned a ton, but this was getting old. And my best friend was having his wedding. I actually had to leave the wedding to go fix like a critical bug for this important customer. And I did it in the hotspot, in my car with my hotspot. And my friend was mad. His wife was probably even madder. And I was like, all right, I just really, I can't do this. I can't keep doing this. They should hire more people, but they're not. They should pay me more, but they're not. So I'm just going to take things into my own hands. And I'm excited about this real estate thing. So let me do that. With Deal Machine, after it was on the app store, like probably seven months later, I was like, hey, people find this on their own and they pick it up. And it was a free app at the time. The postcards cost $2. So it wasn't like driving a bunch of revenue, but I was like, man, if I put in all my work on this, I bet I could make this something that could sustain my lifestyle, which was nothing because I was like just saving as much as possible, not even making that much. So I was like hot and ready to quit that job. And that was the moment was my best friend's wedding. That's awesome. You were working on a app for fraternities, right? Fraternity sororities? Yes, that was the small company that they bought my app for fraternities and sororities. It was a recruitment tool for a fraternity or sorority. Yeah, that's amazing though. That little venture probably opened up so many doors for you, right? It taught me a lot. I would say one of the key things was how efficient that entrepreneur was that I worked for who bought my software and turned it into an actual business with customers was he didn't pay for online marketing. Not that's bad. Uh, I pay for marketing as well. Like you, you mentioned, we've got a partnership with Bigger Pockets, but he was very efficient with the way he bootstrapped this company. And he had a lot of connections because he was already in the fraternity space. And he would offer to teach uh, and give away a free version of this software at the fraternity's convention. They're always looking for people to teach good recruitment. And he gave like a free recruitment lesson as well. All these fraternities, the executive director wants their organization to grow. And so they were getting free training for their students at the convention. And then ultimately, since all these chapters had these free accounts, 
if the executive wanted to actually know what was going on in his sales team to grow the organization, which was just the undergrads in charge of recruitment, then he could pay $500 per chapter to get a view that would show him all of the actual chapters and how many contacts they're putting in, how many touch points or events that they're throwing. And so that's how this entrepreneur grew the business with zero marketing expense. That's amazing. Now on our podcast, we talk a lot about getting experiences to get sharpen your own skills and improve your path. It sounds like you did that. Would you say that the value was from learning from someone else or was it picking up these skills that you didn't have that led to this future success that you currently have today? A mixture of both. I learned a lot at that job from the entrepreneur I was working for. And I also learned a lot on that job through making my own mistakes. It really matters how you code something because when people start using it, if that software can't sustain its ability to operate because it's not coded efficiently, your server costs will go really high to be, or the app will just stop working. And so it'll eat, eat into your profits or the app will stop working, which both are bad. And then I knew I wanted to start my own business and they weren't willing to give equity. And so I knew eventually one day I'd probably have to move on and start my own thing, but was extremely inspired by how this guy lived his life and built his business. Talking about your software, your desktop, your desk, it looks really good. The website looks really good. I'm going through the flow right now, live. But I'm hitting a wall right now. I got to pay. Talk, <laughs> talk to me about that. Seven-day pre-trial. I really want you to just check out the trial first. It looks good, man. I'm sure it's good on mobile, too. I work in Silicon Valley. Well, this looks as well. Oh, this amazing. Really good. The place we really shine is on mobile, though. Compared to okay. other apps in the space, we've got 6,000 five-star reviews on Google Play and the iTunes store. Nice. And the next closest one has like 100 app reviews in terms of this type of app. So we've really put in a lot of effort to everything that you can do, you can do on mobile. You don't have to go to your desktop to get anything done. That's Although awesome. it's there too, if you prefer to work that way. But that's definitely been like a choice that we've made is to make it mobile first, which is something people said like 15 years ago when that was like a thing. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely relevant, I think, in our, our little niche here because nobody else seems to have taken that approach and they're all like desktop first. Yeah, you got to be, everybody's on their phone. Yeah. You got to move with the phone, right? You're not moving with your laptop. It's awesome. Unless you're me 10 years ago, whenever I was working at that little company. Deal Machines, what's been the secret to your success on how you've grown this thing? Right now, I know you have a lot of users. That's impressive. They're paying monthly subscriptions. So you've legitimately created a multi-million dollar business. What was the hardest hurdles in this? And how did you make this catch fire? Okay, so this was our revenue. Okay, so for year one, it was $20,000. And then year two was $1.3 million. And that was after putting two and a half years into it before anyone knew what it was. But once it started generating revenue, that was the step up. Then it was $6 million, then $9 million, then $12 and $13 million. So that was how it ramped up. A huge reason for our success was we weren't trying to change anyone's behavior. People were being recommended to drive for dollars for decades. That wasn't a new thing. There just wasn't an app to help with the follow-through issue that I mentioned. So a huge concept that I think is a big reason why we were successful is we made it easier to do what people were already doing rather than us trying to change their behavior. So I think that was a huge one. And being the first to do that and do it well, hopefully, was another good thing for us. That was like timed. So I, I would say those two things were huge reasons why. And then the third was because I really didn't know a lot about marketing back then. The industry has a lot of people that want to share stuff that works. So thank goodness for that, because a lot of real estate investors, they go to conferences, they go to meetups, they want to help other people become financially free. They give out amazing information on podcasts like this. So people just started talking about it. That was great on their own. 
And then YouTubers were also recommending it before I even had some type of affiliate program or way to compensate them for their referrals. And so it just had a great industry that was good about sharing things that worked. And then I have to thank the YouTubers and the podcasters that wanted to recommend it to their audiences because it definitely would not have grown without that. So those were three factors. And then I went back and I was like, hey, I can pay you guys for future referrals. If you guys want to use this code, give your audience like a special gift and you guys can receive a portion of that. Those are three things that helped us grow the business as big as it has been. By now though, we've done 50 million in sales since I started in 2017. So just hit that milestone. When you started Deal Machine, did you start it just locally in Austin and then branch out from there? Or what was like your game plan with that? Great question. Yeah, so when I started Deal Machine, I lived in Indianapolis at the time. And I only had it access the, in the Marion County property records, which is Indianapolis, because I was just using it for me. It truly was like just for me. I went to a conference to see if anyone wanted to share with their students. And people were like, oh, cool. I live in Phoenix because it worked here. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I could connect to Phoenix. And then I was like, shoot, I'm going to miss out on these word of mouth network effects real quick if it literally just doesn't work anywhere. So the way to make it work everywhere was I had to find a company that would aggregate the county data and give me access to provide that in my app. So there, I was paying four cents per property lookup. And then I changed the pricing model to $50 per month subscription for the app. And I was like, boy, I really hope nobody looks up more properties than $50 divided by four cents. You know what I mean? If they did that, I'd lose money. But most people didn't look up that many properties in one month. And there was no bulk capabilities in the app either. So it worked out until we were able to then get a different pricing structure after getting a certain number of users. How hard was it to find like an aggregator that could actually do that? I feel like that's a pretty specialized thing to be able to do that. Yeah, I googled around and I felt discouraged. A lot of them had minimums and I didn't have money. So I needed something that was pay as you go. Ended up finding this company called Melissa Data that had all kinds of data. We don't use them currently, but that was how we started was that API that they would sell us for as you go, pay as you go. When you switched the model up to have them pay the $50 subscription cost, was it previously free to the, besides the postcard store? Was there some cost involved? Well, you know how I said that first year we had 20,000 in revenue and then the next year we had 1.3 million in revenue. Yeah. So the big difference was I switched it from a free app and $2 per postcard to a $50 a month app and a dollar for postcard. And so people spent more because they saw the mail was cheaper. But because the mail was so expensive, they're like, I'm not paying $2 for a postcard. But yeah, making the app actually cost money and then the mail less money was a huge unlock for us. In the, the subscription, it's 50 a month, right? Not a one-time. It was 50 a month. That's correct. Was that scary? I imagine as an entrepreneur putting a dollar amount on it like that for a month, that might've been a scary jump. Yeah, it was. I wasn't missing out on too much because we were only doing 20000 in revenue and some of that was going to mail. So I didn't have a lot to lose, to be honest, back then. And I was like, yeah, I'd probably pay 50 bucks just to save this amount of time. I knew how much time it took to write down notes and then send mail. And I knew back then you couldn't just send one piece of mail. You had to have 200 addresses minimum to get mail sent out. So solving all that and saving a bunch of time, I was like, even if I don't have a ton of money, I'd pay $50 to have this. I just randomly came up with it, slapped it on there, and that's how we went. And it was an immediate within three days. I was like, people are paying for this. This was the right choice. It was so exciting. Like I was obsessed with just checking 
how many people were subscribed. Like <laughs> it was crazy. I would check it more than we all check Instagram. So just at a very basic level for the app, it sounds like people were already doing this driving for dollar or driving around looking for deals. And they were literally, I'm guessing they were doing a lot of what your features are showing. They're doing it on paper. So you're essentially organizing stuff people are already doing and making it easier for them. Right. Is that kind of at a very basic level what Deal Machine is? You're essentially organizing and making life easier for folks looking for an investment deal. 100%. I'm looking at it and I think those are the best problems to solve. Those little things are painful for people. So what are the top three people can utilize Deal Machine that need Deal Machine that aren't aware of what it does for them? I would say an ambitious W-2 employee who wants to leave their job in the next 12 months. And they want potential to earn a million dollars per year, drive their dream car, pursue their passions, take control of their life. And I think they could do that by getting into wholesaling real estate, which as we know, is a way to earn big checks by finding discounted real estate. And it, you do it through finding rundown properties, finding somebody who's truly motivated. You get it under contract and then you pass it off to an investor who's got money and they pay you a $25,000 finder's fee. I would say that's like number one who would use this. I would say number two would be if you're doing like 100 to 500K already wholesaling real estate and you really want to go to the next level, we helped Simple Wholesaling find deals that were like twice as profitable. And that's always good because growing your business to do more deals can cause these stressful breaking points. But finding deals that are twice as profitable are just amazing. Icing on the cake, you get to take that to your bottom line. And we were able to do that by helping them create a list at scale that you can't buy. You can't buy a list of rundown properties, but they could hire a driver for $20 an hour, put them in the Deal Machine app, see where they're driving, guide them to where they want them to drive, and build a list of distressed properties that their competition doesn't have. So when the owner calls, they're not talking to anybody else about what they could offer. So that's like the, the second person that I would say would use this. And then me... Like I want to acquire really great rental properties. And so the way I do that is going off market, just like a wholesaler would, as we discussed in the first two scenarios. And so I'm the third person, right? I'm wanting to build a rental property portfolio. And I want to do that burst strategy, buy, rent, renovate, refinance, repeat. So I get really good equity and can recycle my money. And that's the third person I would say would be great to use Deal Machine. Perfect. Well said. So that gives us a great idea of what you guys do. We learned a great deal about Deal Machine. Sounds amazing. And uh, you're doing a fantastic job there. Let's go into a little bit about your real estate background and your path. I've listened to past interviews with you and you were very candid about when you got into real estate, you didn't do as well as you wanted, or it was a longer trek to success in the beginning. Can you explain why? What issues did you run into as a real estate investor? One huge issue was I wasn't following up. Even though I found rundown properties, I wasn't communicating. So there's really only two things you have to do is find distressed property owners and communicate with them. So I was finding them, but I wasn't communicating. The follow through of actually getting that mail sent out was something that Deal Machine helped me solve. I didn't add enough properties. It took me two months to add 40 properties. When in reality, I should have found like 500 rundown properties in order to get a deal. So I was slow with adding the properties because I had that goal in mind. And I always tell people, if you're brand new, you've got to go to a meetup. You've got to talk to somebody who's actually doing the business and ask them what their benchmarks are. And if they say, yeah, we get one deal every 400 rundown properties we add, we send mail five, six times each. Then if you're a beginner, you should just double it. That way you give yourself a fighting chance. 
most of the time, if somebody says, oh, there's too many wholesalers, there's too many real estate investors, it, this is not going to work for me. They've only added 10 properties. So it's pretty much like guaranteed that's the case when somebody says that line. It's like they just haven't added enough. So I would say for me, again, like I just wasn't adding enough because I really didn't know how many properties I needed to add. And I would say the third thing, I finally did get that deal seven months later on his like seventh postcard. Yeah. Just being patient is what got that deal for me. There were definitely months where I, I was like, this is taking forever. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I was doing it right. I just needed to do more and be patient. These distressed Can properties, is there a way that besides driving around, is your app able to help them find that? find these potential distressed properties? Yeah. So you can drive around in person or you could drive around virtually while you're using your phone in your bed or whatever. You can drive down the street with the Google Street View and you can add properties that way. You could also pull all kinds of lists. Like my favorite is like high equity, 35% equity. And they had an expired listing. The agent didn't sell the property. So they'd probably be willing to do a deal at 70% off or something like that off market. You could pull those kind of lists as well. Code violations and uh, tax delinquent are two that I recently pulled and have gotten a lot of success with. I'm closing on this house. I can't believe this deal. He hadn't paid his taxes. So I sent him a postcard. He called me. He bought it for 200K two years ago, has not done any work on it, said his partner that was local hasn't done anything and left him high and dry. He's an orthodontist in Utah and he owes 10,000 in taxes. He owes 180 on the house. He's got it under like a 10% loan. It's been that way for two years. I could only buy it for 160. He's selling it to me. No questions asked. He's like, I just need to get rid of this headache and make money as an orthodontist. He's bringing 20K to close. Plus he's paying 10K in back taxes just to get rid of this thing. I would get discouraged by people that were not easy to deal with. This guy was so easy to deal with. I feel like all the deals that I've done, they were just so easy and thankful to be talking with me. So I wouldn't waste too much time on people that are difficult to deal with because if they really need help, it's going to be so smooth. Oh, one other thing. I live near a rundown house. So I would just obsess about this. I would like mind meld, like this is my house. I should have just found more houses because today the house still hasn't sold, right? It was owned by some stubborn guy that does like one thing on it per week. He's like, going as slow as possible renovation. It's literally been like eight years. And that was another thing that slowed me up. Why I didn't add more properties was because I thought, oh, if I just think about this property more, I'll get it. I should have just found more properties that looked run down. That's one thing they always say is you got to take the emotion out of there. Right? You get emotionally attached to a certain property and you're like, I want it. <laughs> exactly. With your real estate investing, like this app was really born out of that, you could say. Totally. Yeah, 100%. When you're doing your investing now, I'm thinking that you still use the app. Yes, sir. How many rentals do you look to accumulate each year? Do you have some type of number benchmark for that? Or I actually stopped buying for a few years when the software would like hit the 9, 12 million mark because the software has grown so much. I thought the rentals were a distraction. So I held what I had for a few years. And then I looked back and I was like, they appreciated a million dollars and they cash flowed 72,000 net every year. If I just kept buying them, I'd be like $5 million richer. And I don't know about you guys, but that's a big deal for me. I was mm -hmm. like, I could have freaking Ferraris and everything I ever wanted. Yeah. So I started buying again. So I've done five deals this year so far. Uh, I want to keep going. And what's your approach? Do you look only locally or are you just, are you spread across? Yeah. The so US? everybody always asks me that. Even though I moved from Indianapolis to Austin, I already have rentals in Indianapolis. So I buy in Indianapolis. I know that market better. 
it's actually way easier to find a cash flowing property better. And I only have to have the same book of contractors or handymen. I have an assistant that is employed at my company that lives in Indianapolis. So I want everything right there all in Indianapolis. I would not buy one in Texas. I'm a huge fan of not getting shiny object syndrome and focusing, right? So it's just deal machine and it's just my rental properties in Indianapolis. I was born in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could tell that. I just had a feeling. Back on Deal Machine, I'm curious. I think the app's awesome, but what's next? What's like next 12 to 24 months? What's that look like? And then on the flip side, what are you worried about? What are some blind spots? People ask me that. What's my brand vision of Deal Machine? And man, I don't like thinking about it that way. I really love the craft of creating something that helps me and helps other people too. And I would love for that to keep growing because if it doesn't grow, it puts my business at risk because then the employees I have will know, have nowhere to grow themselves if my business isn't growing. So I'm always focused on making sure that's growing. And I would say the only thing that's ever worried me is once we hit that $13 million in revenue for the first time, I thought that hiring more people to do product and engineering would continue to grow my business. And in fact, I hired 20 extra people it really increased our payroll, obviously, as are expensive people to hire. I did just buy this Ferrari to celebrate doing a million dollars in one month, by the way. This is all three years ago. And right at that time, some other apps start to come out. I'm worried. I'm like, I've never had a business this big. So the bigger you get, the more is at risk. And so a couple of our affiliate partners, which were the, that were driving the entire business, had switched over. And that was worrying me. Our revenue started to dip a little bit when I'd raised expenses and bought this really nice car. I was like, oh my gosh, our profit really shrinking. My business partner's having a baby. I'm calling him. I'm like, yo, we have to take a little bit of a pay cut. Like the day he's having his baby. And that was not a easy combo for him that caused a lot of stress. When you don't know what's happening, you feel out of control, you have anxiety, right? So I did not sleep well. The way I got out of it was I did the 75 hard fitness challenge, got really focused on health that started tiring me out so that I would actually like sleep better at night. And then I would start waking up earlier, which made me feel more productive. Then I even got a treadmill and my company thought that was really funny at first, but four people bought it as well. And they started focusing on their health. And so just making sure myself was right, focusing on that positivity really gave my company like a new jolt. We always had something positive to talk about. And then that, that was three years ago, right? So we're growing a lot since then as well. And so I think that's really good. But I would be worried if we weren't growing for the reason I mentioned before was like, you hear some people say, I don't know if I want a bigger business. If you're not growing, you're dying. I really feel like that's true because good people will leave if they have nowhere to grow into. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. That makes total sense. Yeah. Great hey, question from a fellow Hoosier. Dave, thanks so much for coming on our show today. You've, you've given us some great wisdom and experience. It's very impressive. To close it out though, there's a lot of people out there that feel like they cannot get into real estate because of money, because of lack of knowledge. What would you tell those people to close our show? If you can't get into real estate because of money or lack of knowledge, then you should definitely check out my podcast. We talk to people who've replaced their W-2 incomes by wholesaling real estate. That's all we interview and focus on how they've set their life up to quit that job and start earning more. And the wholesaling real estate strategy requires no money. Specifically, check out episode 52 of the Deal Machine podcast if you want a good jump start into how you could start without the money. But I know you guys talk about that kind of stuff too on your podcast. So they're already in good hands. We're all about getting more knowledge. So yeah, check it out. That's an awesome piece of advice. And then what about for the people that 
just feel like they don't know if they're looking at a good deal or not. They don't know if a good deal hit them in the face. They wouldn't know. I have to piggyback on what you're saying. I think a lot of people in this current environment are probably like scared. They're like, hey, interest rates, we don't know what's going to happen. And real estate's kind of a big question mark for everybody. So they don't know if this is exactly the, the right time to get in or whatever. Yeah, I'm buying it. I'm leading by example. You can't time the stock market. You've got to buy good deals in whatever market you're at. And if you don't know what a good deal is, then there's two things for you, right? The deal machine, we have this AI assistant. When ChatGPT came out, it was very powerful. We all know how it works. But when you use it through deal machine, it has access to real estate data, something it doesn't have access to otherwise. So you could literally ask it, is this a good deal? It's going to say, are you going to wholesale it? You're going to flip it. You're going to do it as a rental property. It'll help you and walk you through analyzing that deal. So yeah, I'm a little biased, but it's also something that's available. I wanted you guys to know about that could really help out. How did I know good deals? I just talked with this guy, Rob Needlinger. He's got 500 rental properties. I'm like, how do you know if it's a good deal? He's if it cash flows 500 bucks, the difference between the rent and also the mortgage. And he buys properties in like the one to $200,000 range. He's, I'm buying it. No questions asked. Buy it. Let's move on. And I was like, man, he does so much. Just so simple for him to make that decision. And one thing I've noticed from holding my properties is I thought they were good deals back then. But now that they've appreciated and rent's gone up, it's, whoa, these are like way better deals now than what they were when I bought them seven years ago. And so I was like, does this always happen? And so I checked out the Federal Reserve Bank rent price index, which is the national price of rent they've tracked it over the last 70 years. It literally hasn't gone down, not once. In 2008, between 2008 and 2009, it went flat for one year. It did not go down. And so if you get that fixed rate mortgage on your property and it cash flows at least 500 bucks a month in that first year you buy it, like I'm buying it too, because I know as time goes on, it's going to be a better deal. Do you have any tips piggybacking off that for folks who are looking out of state? So for us in the Bay Area, like the $102,000 range is almost like a fairy tale that just doesn't happen here. Mm -hmm. If let's say I want to go tomorrow and buy a spot in Indiana, do you have any just like high level tips or a podcast episode you could point someone to? Oh yeah, that's a good question. I was just genuinely curious because I think that's something we've talked about on this podcast, Lee broadening a lot of folks here in the Bay say, oh, I can't do it here. There's somewhere you can do it, right? And I think there's like a path. I think people need clarity on that path. I got another question with Deal Machine. I'm just curious, how do you guys run it? Are you guys pretty much remote or do you guys actually have a physical headquarters? I own it 50%, by the way. My business partner has been in St. Louis since we started and I lived in Indianapolis when we started. So we've always had a remote aspect to our culture way before we hired anyone. I hired most people in St. Indianapolis because that's where I was. And so I, when I moved to Austin, I thought, is this going to be okay? I think so, because we never really got an office. We have an office, but nobody goes to it every day. It's just a place that we use occasionally when one or two people want to come in and get together. So it's still the same way now. And I think one of our best employees, Elise, runs marketing, and she actually moved two hours away. Like, not an issue. She had the flexibility to do that, and she can still contribute to Deal Machine in the same way. So we hired most people during COVID, actually because that's when we were growing. So it's just worked out that we do have a, a bit of a home base, but it's not really like a big thing. We have a pretty good remote culture. So listeners, we'll put this episode that Dave is recommending on buying out of state in the notes. So you'll be able to get that. But Dave, just want to thank you one last time for being on the podcast, giving us some amazing advice. You've been amazing, man. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I love that we got the band back together. 
Yes, you were the reason why we found our long lost attorney and got the band back together. Thank you so much, my friend. All right, folks, you've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities America Advisors Inc. Member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is an investment advisor representative with Securities American Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities American Advisors, and Securities American Incorporated are separate entities. Career advisor Sergio Patterson, attorney Matt McElroy, are not affiliated with Securities American Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. Third-party sourced information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. All or a portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Airbnb Inc. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.